When you were young and your heart was an open book And the beginning of the season held so much promise You know it did, you know it did, you know it did But if this ever-changing world in which we're living Makes you give in and cry Say live and let die Oh, it's been so long. It's been so long. Live and let die. Yep. Welcome to Friars in the Farm podcast. I'm Donovan, and coming across from me at the table is Roy. Oh, man. Long season is drawing to an end. Thank God. Yeah, it's about time to turn the page. Yeah, I can't look away, but yet. I, well, it's funny thing is that now I can watch the games without, like, okay, I'll just watch a couple innings. Yeah. Okay, they... You know, the other team scored runs. Okay, it's time to watch the show. Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of emotionally checked out as far yeah. as that's concerned. Yeah. I'd love to see Tatis win an uh, MVP award. Not going to happen. I, I doubt it With a, as he's fallen off and Soto's going crazy. And, and that's where the reckoning should really be. I mean, it would have been pretty close if, if the Padres went on, you know, do, doing, say, his 45 home runs or whatever, and the team's just tearing it up. Yeah. You know, with Soto doing so well, with, uh, you know, Bryce Harper having a kind of a resurgence of, yeah. uh, of, a, um, of a season. Um, it would be hard to to um, you know to not say that you you know it'd be hard to, to vote for him. Right, right. I you you can't overlook the errors, um, the big flaw on Tatis' yeah. resume and yeah. the time missed and all that. But it's a lot of it's what have you done for me lately? Yeah. So guys that have a strong second half, they're going to get more votes, yeah. even if the other guy was better overall. And and teams that are going to be in the playoffs. So I mean, right. Harper and Soto are probably not. They're not going to make. They're not going to make the playoffs. Yeah. The, the the Cardinals are just steamrolling their way yeah. into the play into that last playoff spot. Yeah. So who does Arenado or I, I don't know who's in a really good season over uh, there. Goldschmidt's having a really good year. Yeah. Well, and yeah. that's the thing about the Cardinals is like everyone contributes. Mm-hmm. Everyone, like, you know, earlier the season when the pot is, everyone was contributing. Yep. You know, get a guy on, knock him in. You know, yep. get a guy on, knock him over, get him in. So is Adam Frazier this year's Ryan Ludwig? He, no, because he hit a hell of a lot better. He hit better. Yeah, but there's the trade that happens, and then yeah. the team goes into a tailspin. Kind yeah. of a parallel there. Maybe uh, dealing with the uh, the Pirates in the midseason is not good luck. I, I don't know. Wait, no, no. The Ryan Ludwig deal was uh, the Cardinals. The Cardinals, yeah. <sighs> anyway, the reckoning is beginning. The reckoning. Yes. The, 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 uh, everyone's been saying this. The rearranging of the chairs on the, di- the deck chairs on the Titanic. Right. But I think by the time this is all said and done, there's yeah. going to be a lot more than just rearranging some deck chairs. Yeah. And, and this is, well, and uh, this kind of, it's kind of weird that they're doing this. So this is from Dennis Lynn from The Athletic. In the pod to continue to uh, organizational shakeup with more changes imminent. Dun, dun, dun. Half an hour before Valencia Velasquez labored through 37 pitch inning Wednesday night, the Padres announced a series of moves with an eye towards the future. The Arizona Instruction League begins Thursday. The big league club could see the playoff hopes extinguished by this weekend, already been extinguished, and the organization has begun a reckoning. A reckoning. Regardless of recent on-field events, some on the inside believe it was overdue. Whether it will produce the desired change, of course, is harder to say. There still could be much more to come. Mark Connor, his amateur scouting director of almost seven years, was reassigned as special assistant to Preller. Chris Kemp, one of Preller's top advisors, will assume Connor's vacated duties while still overseeing international scouting. Riley Westman, who, like Kemp, followed 
Preller from Texas is succeeding Ganey as farm director. But I, I have a feeling that there's more changes to come. That that they're shifting these roles right now because all this stuff has to keep on going. Right. The amateur right. scouting, the international scouting, um, the it, fall instructor starting up as we speak. So there's a lot of work still to be done. Okay. You can't just vacate roles in the off season, right? Right. So, well, and, so I, the, those are interim positions. I that's what they have get, said. Like here's you know here's. That's my guess is that it's some kind of interim kind of a thing, you know, and then and, and you need so your parties are just going to get reassigned. That's well, I mean, right now. Right. But then what if there's more of a reckoning to come? Well, more of the reckoning really belongs in the big league club. Right. But, and, it, but what about the upper minors and preparing the guys for making that final step onto the big league team? Right. So you got the same guys doing this, you know, so just leaving Sam Ginny, taking Sam Ginny at the organization, you don't got no fresh blood. You don't got no fresh insight. You have no fresh mindset. You don't true. have any, you don't have a fresh voice. You have this right. different guys having different roles, mm-hmm. hearing the same message. So, so the, the one thing that I have heard really changed, I listened to the, what was it? The rates and barrels yeah. uh, podcast that is on the athletic. It's yeah. um, Derek Van Riper and Eno Saris and Brit, Brittany Garoli. Yeah. And they went over, they spent a lot of time talking about the Padres in one of their recent episodes. And when this shuffle came up, I, I guess what they're hearing from within the organization is that they want a more consistent uh, voice and philosophy. Like everybody lined up. And I guess Sam Gini was, a little bit of a he bucked some trends, or I I, I don't know what to read into right, that. Right, right, right. But he they're trying to streamline things. I guess that makes sense from a PR standpoint. If if they're doing this, just yeah. moving roles around. But I know I agree with you that you need some fresh blood. You need somebody to come in with a, a fresh perspective. Yeah. So that they can change. They're doing a great job of getting guys up to Double A, but then that step of how do you turn a really good Double A player into a major leaguer? They seem to struggle at that. Yeah, and getting them into the Pacific Coast League, which is a nightmare to pitch in, or, you know, nightmare to pitch in, mm-hmm. kind of a great place to hit in, um, varying on the year the balls, the type of balls being played, right. is, is huge. So, you know, why isn't Mackenzie Gore in AAA? Why isn't he in El Paso right now? Well, that's, I don't know. He was shut down for the year. He's done. Yeah. So maybe well, that was the plan. He's was an the- instructs. He's in so, instructs. So but that is shut down, yeah. Essentially, yeah. And he's doing workouts and whatever, probably throwing bullpens and all that. But it's no longer the high-stress innings, the you know, the full getting lathered up for a game. Right. Why not? Maybe his workload limit. I, I don't know. Right. Wow, you're not going to bite? You're not biting? Then, I'm pissed. I, 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 I see it. <laughs> I see, well, look at it. I, I see a huge opportunity here. If this is your top pitching prospect... And he's had some momentum in a couple of starts, series walks. You know, there's been some, you know, it's not absolutely 2019, mm-hmm. but there was some momentum there and enough to build on to get him into AAA. So I, you were kind of campaigning for him to make a major league debut at some point. Absolutely. So what if that happens and he gets rocked? That's. And then what, it's the end of the season. And that's the what he has the lingering taste in his mouth is. Then you well, you said him before that. You set him down like, look here, you know, we, we need you up there. Here's what you're gonna do: go out there, compete, do the best you can. Battle that'll set battle grind. and grind, <laughs> Bat, grind and battle, grind and battle, and then we'll work on what you need to work on. Eh, I, you I, know? I so then that's fine. Don't no, don't put him on the major league roster. And it did say, you know, we'll talk about it in a minute that you're still that's a possibility. Why not at least get him a couple of starts in AAA? He is going to need to go on the the 
40-man roster by the end of November for yeah. the Rule 5 draft. Yeah. There's a whole lot of guys that are going to get a good look for that. We'll talk to that in later episodes. Yeah. So I, I just don't understand why they didn't have him pitch a couple innings and screw the home stretch. You know, maybe the last two starts in the regular season. Well, you can uh, – Sam Ghini is now no longer under right. Padres' purview, so maybe we can get him on the phone and <laughs> get some answers out of him. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Okay, so continuing with the Dennis Lynn article, uh, this week introduced at least two wrinkles to the status quo. Ganey, one of Preller's first hires, will be replaced by Westman, who's been the Padres minor league catching coordinator, coordinator of instruction, and most recently, director of player development under Ganey. Connor, whom Preller inherited and quickly promoted to scouting director, is passing the organization's drafting reins to Kemp, who had been working as both international scouting director and minor league field coordinator. It's worth pointing out that Mark Connor is one of the few guys that remained from the prior administration okay. when when uh, Preller came into to, to place. Um, so Connor and Kemp have played central roles in talent procurement under Preller, who in turn has shipped away many of their acquisitions. Since last June, the Padres have traded 14 international prospects signed by Kemp in deals for 15 major leaguers. Since 2015, the Padres have traded more than 20 players signed by Connor. Connor, who joined the Padres as an area scout in 2010, oversaw seven drafts for the organization. This season, the Padres have received limited reinforcement from a farm system depleted by Preller's trade volume. That has lessened the margin for error for second-year manager Jace, Jace Tingler. <laughs> I almost wanted to say Trace Jingler. <laughs> the imposter. Impersonator. Uh, whose job security has come into question amid the team's implosion and reports of a leadership void in the clubhouse. Connor will join Moise Alou, A.J. Ellis, Davis Post, and James Keller as special assistants to the GM, which is technically A.J. Preller president of baseball operations since he hasn't hired a GM scouting shuffle. The reshaping of the scouting department continued Friday as the Padres did not renew the contracts of at least a half dozen scouts. A couple of people on the, of the departed did so for other opportunities, at least one moving to another club and one who took a job out of baseball. At least four area scouts cross checkers were let go. So there's where the meat potatoes, that's kind of the reshuffle. That's, I, you know, I would think that's a big deal. You're cross checkers and and your area scouts. You need there's your fresh eyes. There's your fresh look on talent. There's your new philosophy. Now you bring in guys that have maybe a different philosophy or that will follow the the you know the team's philosophy. Well, talent acquisition hasn't been the problem. They've done a great job right. of going out and bringing talent in from all over the world. Right. They've drafted great. They've you know spent money going out signing all these guys internationally. The problem is getting them pushed all the way through the minors. Yeah. So they make the top 30 lists. They make the MLB top 100 prospects. But then what? It's a shiny nickel. Yep. I'm going to pair a brand new row in this case. I'm sorry. I'm just going <laughs> to. Uh, okay. So, yeah. So a little bit of an organizational upheaval. And it, like I said, I think there's a lot more to come. Yeah. And I think... Tingler's going to be gone, um, either gone or moved into one of those developmental roles. That was his job before he came over from, right. from Texas. Right. So I could see them kind of moving him sideways like, okay, this didn't work, but we want to keep you around. And then I, it's, it sounds like just hearing the, the writing on the wall, it sounds like pretty much everybody on the coaching staff thinks that their job is in question. Wow. I mean, it kind of makes sense. You bring in a new manager, and what happens? Do you keep half the old guys around, or do you just clean house and bring in a whole new crew? Yeah, real quick before we finish up the uh, the moves, I, I thought Riley Westman getting moved up to a uh, scouting director was was a bold move. 
Yeah. So he was he was coordinating his pitching coordinator for a while. He was, was, catch, he was catching, catching, catching instructor. Yeah, catching yeah. instructor. Yeah, so he'd rove around and go to the different levels and, you know, work on catching instruction. Yeah. Next thing you know, he's running the whole farm pretty much under yeah. Gini. Um, and now he's stepping up a rung. So good for him. I yeah. mean, his career has taken off with, you know, with the Padres. That's um, excellent. I hope that speaks well to what he's done and, yeah. and he stays around because he seems like a good guy. I know mean, the, the Padres have been, they've had a, a history of turning catchers into very good defenders with him around. Yeah. I'd like to think that he has a lot to do with that. Yeah, Absolutely. Okay, so moving on, uh, on deck, the instructs, fall instructs are finally starting to happen. Yes. <laughs> um, earlier this week, Jeff Sanders came out with an article in the San Diego Union-Tribune, yeah. um, and he listed the entire roster yeah. uh, for the fall instructs. Um, so his article, he stated that Mackenzie Gore, C.J. Abrams, and Robert Hassel III headlined the instructs roster. Mackenzie Gore officially finished his start and stop and start against season uh, with 50 and a third innings. So that's to your point where... He, why don't you keep him going? Well, who knows? Uh, to continue to build to continue to build his workload, the 22-year-old left-hander was included on the Padres roster for the Arizona Instructional League with the expectation that he will pitch in the upcoming Arizona Fall League. So that's interesting. So are those the same kind of stress and leverage and all this that he would experience, say, playing in AAA? Or is that that they want him to keep working on the mechanical tweaks that they've had going on so then you're not putting him in those situations where the stat line's count as much well i think definitely with a fall league you have that higher level of talent mm-hmm. but it's it's kind of not stressful you know there's no right there's no pressure there you can like okay let's see what you got against some of the better guys in the league that are going to be major leaguers but so, it's not triple a players usually in fall league but it's, it's not single a and a couple of double a guys right but they're the top you know usually it's the it's the guys that are on their way right usually right um once again a lot less stress um a little bit I want to say a medium, like high profile kind of a little bit. It's kind of nice that he's going to do that. Yeah. Um, and it kind of makes sense. It makes sense for obviously for AJ, CJ Abrams. Uh, if he makes, you know, if he goes to the, uh, to the fall league. Well, you've got Gore, Abrams, and Hassel highlighting the whole thing. Um, the team has not ruled out a big league promotion, but the Padres' remaining schedule against contenders in the Braves, Dodgers, and Giants is hardly a soft landing spot for a pitcher who was removed from competition this summer to thoroughly collect, correct mechanical deficiencies. So that part right there, the, to thoroughly correct mechanical deficiencies, they had a lot of work to do. And I, I don't see how you take somebody that's been putting in that kind of work and put them up against one of the hottest offenses in all of baseball when they're all playing for every single game counts a lot yeah. between the Dodgers and the, and the Giants. Yeah. So the Padres are there just to play spoiler. Uh, but they're not taking any days off. They right. want to win that division. Uh, so the, the 2021 Padres Instructional League roster also features two other top 100 prospects, um, Abrams and Hassel, as we mentioned. Yeah. Hassel finished his first full season at high, high, a, high single A Fort Wayne. Abrams, meanwhile, was lost for the season in late June due to a fractured left tibia and sprained MCL sustained during a collision with a teammate while playing for AA San Antonio. So um, the 20-year-old Abrams has been rehabbing at the Padres Complex nice. in Peoria. Like Gore, he could find his way onto an Arizona Fall League roster if he continues to progress through baseball activity. So that's good to hear that he's in shape, ready to go, hopefully yes. you know, out there running the bases and playing defense and all that stuff. Because um, you know, when he went down with that injury... You see sprained MCL and a fractured tibia. You don't really know what exactly that means. Right. I mean, I've learned a lot just going through what, seeing what Angela's gone. So she fully ruptured her ACL. But they say that there was just a a sprain in one knee ligament. But when you sprain your knee, 
there's usually a compression fracture that happens in the tibia. Right, right, right. So they call it the tibial plateau. And that's probably what happened to him. You don't need surgery. You don't need to put screws in. You don't need to, you know, it's not a displaced fracture. You just let it heal. We need a sponsor for like Dr. Roy. Yeah. <laughs> we need our Stefania Bell, like they like uh, ESPN has, our medical expert that we can call in. Okay, um, so another fourth, uh, a top, a fourth top 100 prospect, catcher Luis Camposano, has been battling an oblique injury in AAA El Paso. So for everybody that complained about when Webster Rivas got called up, yes. that's why we haven't seen Camposano. But we saw nothing. I, I saw nothing. I mean, I, I easily could have missed it, but we never saw the I, IL. I never saw anything on the email. I never saw anything announced. Somebody pointed out that the AAA rosters expand at the beginning of September. And so there's more room. They can just stash him, put him aside without having to actually put him on the okay. IL. Okay. Um, and with an oblique injury, it, that depending on the nature of the injury, that isn't always something that sends somebody to the injured list. Right. Sometimes they can take a week off and then be okay. I don't know. But the same thing, Padres have not ruled out his return to the field before the Chihuahua season ends next week. Well, this week. Nice. So I'm, I'm not holding my breath. I don't think we're no. going to see Camposano again. No, and that's fine. I just want to see, you know, I would like to see Mackenzie Gore get some innings. And, and once again, those in the, in the fall league, you can pull guys, add guys, plus or minus them all the way. You have the taxi squad there. So Abrams could be maybe on the taxi squad where he can get a couple at bats, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some innings in there to just kind of see where he's at. Um, It'd be nice to see Hassel get some serious playing time in the Arizona Fall League. It would be. I mean, it would be, uh, he would definitely be uh, playing against, he struggled a little bit in high A. Yeah. There's a little bit of an adjustment there. And he's still Um, putting in quality at bats, though. Absolutely. So that can even accelerate his learning. And sometimes, you know, you wonder how with with Preller and and the development, sometimes they do move those guys up a little too quick. I mean, I was watching the El Paso game last night and, um, Jorman Rodriguez, 22 years old in AAA. Uh-huh. And, goddamn, that's pretty young <laughs> to be in AAA. Yeah, but the kid can hit. Yeah, right. But still, I mean, um, you know, it, it's I, I love the challenging these guys, and I, I love that. Um, I'm not sure if that's how you develop guys or not, by just challenging them and be like, okay, go try to play double-A ball. Right. But it would be nice to see him because it would be a nice um, – it'd be a nice, I don't know, reward for Hassel for having a solid, incredibly solid – first full season oh for sure uh so the arizona fall league starts on october 13th so it's a couple weeks away yep. we're rosters haven't been announced or anything like that um but the interesting thing that i like about the fall league is that you're taking players from different teams and you're putting them all together and then you've got coaches from these different teams yeah. and they're all working together yeah. so you talk about having a different voice you may have somebody working on you know taking infield and so C.J. Abrams, the last time he was taking infield was in Fort Wayne. And whatever coaches he had there were you know, really good coaches. Right. But they've got their own way of instructing things. So you have somebody else that explains it a little bit differently. Maybe something else clicks. Right. So right. the Peoria Javelinas, um, that's the team that the Padres players will be assigned to. Yep. And I think there's three or four other teams that, the that combine in there. No, I mean, just on the Javelinas. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. like players from the Braves and a couple other teams. Like Detroit, I think. Just, yeah. It's a great, it's a tourney team. I love tourney teams. Yeah, I want to get out there. I league tourneys. Just... One of these years, I'm going to get out there to, to, to Phoenix this time of year to go check it out. And they usually televise, MLB Network will televise three to four games. There's like a service, like armed service day. There's a... There's a couple of days where they have had the team, and then the there's champ- an All Star game too. Yeah, the All Star game, obviously, and I think a championship game mm-hmm. uh, they have. So we'll get to see a little bit of those games. Definitely get some of that, uh, you know, some of those information 
I mean, they're playing in the, in the complex parks. They have yeah. all the cameras and all the Hawkeye technology, all the pitch tracking and all that stuff. Um, so I wonder if we might see more of them this year. Maybe they'll broadcast them without the announcers, just, you know, the fixed camera over, yeah. over home plate. I'd, I'd be happy with just that. That'd be great. I want all the baseball content I can get. Absolutely. And you could, you know, you can mix that in with the broadcasters that are trying to learn the game that, you know, maybe coming up from minor league ball that come in and do a few games or, you know, major league baseball, you know, MLB network, just throw a couple guys there. I think they do that anyway mm-hmm. to have them do the games there. Sure. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So they should get us into marketing over there. Yeah. So moving on. <laughs> Jeff Sanders of the, um, from the UT. Uh, so the world cup under 23, Tournament is happening right now at Hermosillo, Mexico. Brandon Venezuela, Augusto Ruiz, Tirso Onelis are headlining those teams in Team Mexico. And I watched a little bit of the game last night. Thank you, Kevin Charity, for getting me onto the ESPN app on Roku so I can download it and watch it for free. Oh, is that where it's being broadcast? It's on. It's on. It's been on ESPN three. Oh. And I don't watch ESPN, and I don't have ESPN on my on my cable provider. Okay. Well, I have like th- th- two. Right. They're all Monday Night Bulk stuff. It's all football and talking so, heads. Right. Yeah. Right. Although apparently I missed one of the Manning boys giving the finger or something like that. <laughs> stupid. It um, was the double barrel. It was, it was the, the Ian yeah. Kinsler that he was doing. Right. <laughs> that gif will live forever. I, I can care less about that stuff. But it was, it was cool to watch. Uh, they played uh, Germany, played Mexico last night, and Augusto Ruiz crushed uh, a, a double into the gap. Um, saw Brandon Venezuela play. Uh, Terso and Nellis. Um, it, you know, it's funny. The fan in me wants, because it's Germany, it's Team Germany. Mm-hmm. You know, but there were no Von Schneiders or, you know, they were like, <laughs> they were guys with German ancestry. So I'm pretty sure most of those guys were some minor leaders and varying degrees of, of play. Oh, okay. So, I'm, you know, when I, when I watch these games and, you know, teams from like Mexico and Dominican Republic, I, they should just wire you not patting your stats by going four for four, right. you know, hitting a dinger after dinger. Yeah. Uh, but it's not that way. That's the fan of me going like, well, it should be. This is the way it should be. I don't know how many major leaguers are from Germany. The only current one I can think of is Max Kepler. Ah, Max Kepler. Yes. From the Kepler. Institute. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Max Kepler. <laughs> uh, so Juan yeah. Fernandez infield, a catcher, Juan Fernandez infielders, yeah. Justin Lopez and Kelvin Melian and right-hander Edwin Bencomo will represent Venezuela nice. and right-hander Ruben Galindo will represent Colombia. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Good to get some Padres uh, participation in the tournament there. The, the kids. All right. So moving on to advocacy. Okay. I feel so, like there should be a, there should be a section in our podcast. And this is like a weekly thing every day, every time we get together, right. we're talking about something having to do with minor league pay, living conditions, travel, what need, have you. I need to do a better job of getting us sponsors. No. Oh, oh okay. Brought oh, to you by. Brought to you by. Kayak.com for all your travel needs. <laughs> Yahoo! Something like that. Anyway, Bob Nightingale. So, so I had, we had our fan appreciation day a couple of weeks back. We talked about it a little bit from the uh, from a couple of episodes ago. Uh, but this is what happened: was some of the guys for the Phillies. So it was the uh, Bro- uh, Brooklyn Cyclones and the the Phillies minor league team that played, and they and had some of the players there wear the wristbands in support of fair play, minor league treatment, and and whatnot. So a couple of those guys got spoken to, and. They told minor league advocates that they were like spoken to, and we'll go into it here in a minute. And uh, this is how it goes. This is the article from Bob Nightingale. It's really interesting. So the advocates for minor leaguers 
are investigating allegations by players in the Philadelphia Phillies organization. They were reprimanded for wearing solidarity wristbands in their final minor league game in support of increased pay and improved living conditions. Quote, we heard there was some backlash, some troubling reports, and we're definitely looking into it. Harry Marino, executive director of the director of the nonprofit group, told USA Today Sports. We're very concerned. It's totally inappropriate to have any kind of backlash. There have been responses from the team's side trying to suppress what that speech, Marino said, telling them they should be careful not to talk like that and think twice. Teams should be very careful trying to dissuade speaking out. The Phillies should know they're being watched. Yeah, but this has been going on for decades. There's a reason why minor leaguers have been afraid to speak out about about these issues. Yeah. So it's been surprising to see as many players speak out, especially in like the Brittany Garoli article, where there's a lot of direct quotes from active minor league players. I mean, they're putting their neck on the line just by bringing it up. Yeah, and we'll see where those guys are at the end of the season, if they get released or if there's any kind of uh, retaliation from the team. Right, guys so, getting blackballed for this kind of stuff? Yeah, or, yeah you're going to sit A-ball for the rest of your career. I don't care how you're doing. Maybe. Right. So there were 10 to 25 minor league players from the Brooklyn Cyclones, the Class A team of the New York Mets organization, and the Class A Jersey Shore Blue Claws of the Phillies organization who wore teal wristbands last weekend that said fair ball. In, these, in their series finale, the advocacy group reported no Mets minor leaguers received any rebuke with Mets managers Luis Rojas even speaking in favor of the group at City Field, but that they received complaints from the members of the Phillies. The Phillies acknowledged that they spoke to their players about the wristbands, but vehemently denied that they scolded or disciplined our players. To my knowledge, no player got in trouble for this, Dave Dombrowski, the Phillies president of baseball operations, told USA Today Sports. Our staff met with the players the next day since it was the last day of the season and the end of the year meeting was planned. The wristband topic came up, but it was for knowledge sakes. No player got in trouble or was scolded for wearing them. So there's some ambiguous language right there. Yeah. So no player got in trouble. Okay, nobody got penalized for it. Nobody got fined or benched, but a a good stern talking to, that counts as something. Yeah. Hey, kid, keep it down. Yeah. Button your lip if you want to go anywhere in this organization. Yeah. I, uh, the dispute has lasted uh, is the latest an ongoing battle bet- uh, with uh, between advocates for minor leaguers and Major League Baseball. While the advocacy group, God, my tongue is frozen, <laughs> is seeking increased wages, hoping to have a minimum salary of fifteen thousand a year, MLB would spend about four hundred fifty million in signing bonuses for domestic and international signees this past year, raise minor league salaries to a minimum of seven hundred dollars a week for Triple A. Triple A. Yeah. 700 bucks a week, 600 bucks a week for double A and 500 for class A. The previous minimums were 502 for triple A. Jesus Christ, 350 at class double A and 290 at class A. That's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. So the increase still leaves wages woeful, Marino says, considering the federal poverty level is $12,888 or about $250 per week for individuals. It's time every minor leaguer uh, to be paid a living wage. Right. And so the federal poverty level is based on on long-term housing arrangements and that type of thing. You know, renting an apartment or a house where you have a two or three year lease. Yeah. And you I mean, if you're making those that kind of money, you're splitting a, a place. You know, yep. You're splitting an apartment or whatever. This isn't for 
for temporary workers that they're only working for three or four months out of the year. They have to come up with their own housing arrangements. Many times the team is charging them for the hotel that they're staying at. It's, it's going to change. It has to change. And so just tweet from June, June Lee, the Orioles first baseman Trey Mancini wearing a fair ball wristband from MLB advocates in support of better pay for minor leaguers. Becomes the second major leaguer to support the cause after Phillies outfielder Andrew McCushion wore one last week. Yep, so keep your eyes peeled when you're watching these games. I, you'll see these teal wrists. I, I, I hope that you start seeing more of them yeah. just between now and the end of the season. Yeah, yeah a- absolutely. And no one, no one got on his case. No. No, one went to, no one went to Mancini and said, hey, knock it off. Well, I don't think anybody's going to go up to Andrew McCutcheon and tell him how to go about his job. Right. And Trey Mancini is universally respected as well. Absolutely. And he missed a whole year with colon cancer, going through chemotherapy and yes. everything. Yeah. The, 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 the journey that guy's gone on is amazing. Yeah. So we're starting to catch a little fire. Mm-hmm. And, and where I think it really does catch fire is when you have major leaguers starting to support this, managers starting to support this, and maybe somehow it gets – Pushed into, you know, in, into the into the uh, competitive. No, what am I looking for? The CBA, right? Yeah. Well, the problem there is that nobody's negotiating on behalf of the minor leaguers. Right. The players' association has expressed that they have no intent of doing it. I Cody Decker was talking about that a while back. He had a conversation with um, Tony Clark, who's the head of the uh, of the players' association, yeah. and he pretty much said that it's not in the plans to do anything for them. That they've got enough other battles to enough other billions of dollars to try to chop up every which way. And they're not worried about spending a couple million per organization. Right. To give everybody a fair living wage and, and cover their housing and just make things so much better for the athletes that are supposed to be the future of your organization. Or the future of the sport. Yeah. You know, they often say, you know, you can tell an organization by how you treat the lowest people on the you know, right. those people on Twitter pole, how are they treating? Right. What do they say about the organization? Yeah. The ones that sweep the floor, mm-hmm. the ones that mop the floor. Yeah. Yeah. So you look at the, the pay that your, your basic laborer is making and you compare that to what the CEO is making. And I know it's already like 250 times yeah. with most corporations, but yeah. I bet if you look at major league baseball, it blows it even farther it's out just, of the water. It's, it's, it's almost there. Yeah. All right. So bringing it back to the Padres. Yeah. Uh, so baseball America had an article titled 12 pitchers from the 2021 MLB draft class with strong professional debuts by Carlos Colazzo. And they highlighted Alec Jacob, right-handed pitcher for the Padres, age 23. Jacob was the West Coast Conference Pitcher of the Year after posting a 2.52 ERA over 85 and two-third innings in his fourth year with Gonzaga last spring with 112 strikeouts to just 18 walks. San Diego signed him in the 16th round for $75,000, taking a shot on his two-seam fastball, slider, and changeup. After throwing an inning in the Arizona Complex League, Jacob moved to Low A Lake Elsinore, where he served as a late inning reliever. In his 19 and two-thirds innings, Jacob with 29 batters and surrendered just two walks without allowing an earned run. Jacob has a lot of funk in his delivery and tries to create issues with timing in his delivery to keep hitters off balance while also throwing from a lower three-quarter arm slot. Interesting. Yeah. So nice to see, nice to see a Padres prospect finally get some love in these national right. publications. Right. It's been a, it's been a slim year for that. Well, God, you know, and, and to get it with nineteen and two thirds of an inning, yeah, 
Yeah, and no earned runs. Yeah, no, but also at age 23, so he needs to get up to uh, to high A and double A here pretty quick. Yeah, I mean, he's a college pitcher. I mean, it, it, it happens, yeah. but a good start like that, who knows? I mean, he could jump right up to double A next year with a good spring. Okay, so as we head into our affiliate rundown, um, it's a little bit different now that we don't have, there's no single A, there's no double A. Triple A is the only affiliated um, league Team still playing. playing. Yeah. Um, the complex league, the Arizona complex league is closed. The Dominican complex league continues playing. Right. Um, and then we've got the fall league starting up. So rather than going strike one, strike two, strike three, we're just going to kind of bounce around on stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So in the fall league, the fall league will feature several experimental rule changes in 2021. There was an interesting article in baseball America by Kyle Glazer, uh, pitch clock shift restrictions and more changes are coming to the Arizona fall league. So, this year, they introduced a 15-second pitch clock. <laughs> Sorry, that is the sound of a dog trying that to get a That was a lizard. lizard being chased right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's going to be a 15-second pitch clock, which was used in single A this year, and they did find that there was significant reduction of overall game lengths. Right. It's not just the pitch clock. There's also, I think batters are allowed seven seconds. Or they have to be in the box ready to hit when the clock has seven seconds. Ooh. Yeah, and and I'm I'm not aware of them actively penalizing anybody for violating the the pitch clock, but just the awareness of it, it's made the pace of the game pick up quite a bit. Uh, the automated ball strike system, which the AFL experimented with in 2019, will use will be used in games played at Salt River Fields. I'm surprised that it's only at Salt River Fields and not the other leagues or the other ballparks. Yeah, since they all have the same pitch tracking technology, and they they use that tech the. Uh, ball strike system last year or two years ago in the uh the afl yeah you, you think you'd want to have those several different um stadiums having it because you'll adjust for stadium you know just you have another control right right so now the the strike zone is going to change slightly rather than being purely defined by the umpire because um, even then, I, so there was another article in Baseball America that I'm not going to get into right now, but they went, they really dissected each of the rule changes and how many, like what change did the stolen base rate go up? Were there more strikeouts? Were there more right, base hits? Right. And so the when they first implemented the automated ball strike system this year, it was the rule book strike zone. And they found that there were pitches at the high and the low end of the zone that were called strikes that were relatively unhittable, that did not look like strikes. That they looked, Interesting. They looked like they were out of zone. And so then they they shrunk the zone. They called it an optimized zone. They shrunk the zone at the top and the bottom, and then they widened it about a ball's width on both sides of the plate. And that's what they wound up using the second half of the season. Wow. So different that's, opinions that's about huge, it. dude. But, I mean, so in 2019, if you were watching, when they had that, that, <laughs> that automated zone, there were some awfully <laughs> weird-looking pitches. And you had some awfully weird-looking players. You know, the players looking back like, yeah. That was a strike? Yeah, because you get a curveball, and it just barely nips the yeah. bottom of the zone. And that's the, the thing. It, it's and not it, the whole baseball. It's a quarter of the baseball. It's, you know, it, it's it's if the baseball hits that zone, it's a strike. And it can be a full. It. Right. It can be the ink on the logo that brushes right. that zone. Pretty, yeah, right. And that's a strike. And so you've got curveballs that are, that are spiking in the dirt, but the system's calling it a strike. Right. You've got a high fastball with ride. And it's, it looks like it's up by the hitter's eyes, but it's calling it a strike. So they optimize that a little bit. So we'll be seeing that at Salt River. I just I do find it interesting that they're only doing it there. Yeah. So then you're going to have to kind of recalibrate your eye when you go there. Or as a pitcher, I guess you have to know 
you have to you maybe you you choose your location a little bit differently since you know what you can and can't get. Okay. Um, so the let's see the 15 second clock. Okay, a limit of two pickoff attempts per plate appearance was also introduced in the Low A West this season, and it wasn't so the way they defined the pickoff attempts. It isn't just thrown over to a base. It's any disengagement of the rubber. So you step off the rubber just to run through the, the signs again. Right. Or you need to gather yourself. They consider that a pickoff attempt. So that really did speed things up. But at the same time, I feel like it's a little too strict of an interpretation of the rule. Yeah. Well, it, it's really, it, you know, it's really got to make you sharpen your pencil as a pitcher. Like sure. you better be on, you better be in sync with your catcher. Because you see that you once in a while, like guy comes up, it's kind of a situation. Guy comes up, steps off. You know, you see the, the okay, let's do them over again. Uh huh. That's a whole other thirty seconds. That's a whole other twenty seconds, and that it takes time. Right. So that that resets that pitch clock as yeah. well. Um. Okay. So the so, rule governing the oh, go ahead. Well, well that, what I found in here is infielders will be required to remain in the dirt with two positioned on each side of second base, and the side the size of the bases will be increased. Yeah. So they they played with larger larger bases in AAA. And everybody said that they saw pretty much no no difference. Okay, there wasn't really a change in uh, like infield hits or stolen bases. Uh, but the idea is that the larger the yes, the larger bases they're a little bit closer to each other by like an inch and a half. Right. So what difference are you going to see in the play of a game? But when there's when there's close plays at second base, there's less opportunity for feet to get tied up. So it's it just makes it easy. You, you're trying to re- reduce the injuries, I suppose. Yeah, it's funny because in my in my Rick. My rec game this weekend, a, a guy was at first base. I was coaching first base, and there was a ball hitting the infield, and he ran, and you know, was he was going to be out. It was like he was going to be out. So he ran, and the guy dropped the ball, but he just kept running right, through, like softball, just kept running right through second base. And he got called safe, and we're like, oh, okay, what the fuck are you doing? I mean, both teams just started laughing because it was just like, it was ridiculous. Why did you stop? Why did you not? Why did you, why didn't you stop? Well, because you're a bunch of amateurs running around. You're not pros that are right. supposed to know better. Right, right. Um, so, but the positioning of the infielders about the the shift um, in the Baseball America article uh, that I read, they said that they, it's like, yeah, we got some more outs this way, but we lost a few hits that way. And it kind of was a net, net zero. So they didn't really see much of an impact in the, in the shift control. Um I've, I've, we've said it before. I don't care. It's it's up to the manager to decide where to position right. your fielders. The the pitcher needs to be on the rubber. The catcher's behind the plate. Everybody else can be wherever you want them to be. Yeah. I, I don't like having to define, okay, two guys on each side of the infield. Their feet have to start on the dirt. I mean, come on. Well, and I think both teams are going to get hurt by that. Like, certainly when we hit into a – when we have Manny Machado out in the right field, like, well, yeah, that's rad. Yeah, yeah but when, some... when we're, uh, one of our guys hits into a double play because of the shift, we're like, God damn it, fuck the shift. Well, you know, but I, Manny Machado's made some outstanding plays out there playing whatever you call that. And rover. it's kind of fun, right? It's awesome. Yeah, yeah, he makes some diving catch at a, at a sinking line drive or makes a nice throw to first base that yeah. otherwise would have been a, a ho-hum single. Yeah. I, I like it. Yeah. and Well, and last night I saw, um, God, it was kind of a... Jerk move, but Jerry Klenick was getting shifted to the right right side. He's a left-handed hitter. Uh-huh. Shifted to the right. So he solid bunt right down the third base line. Yeah. They were winning by six runs, but what the hell? A couple years ago, Robinson Cano got a double like that. Yeah. Like a hard bunt right over the third baseline, and he could just keep running for days. You know, and occasionally guys forget 
and they get past second, and then they got to run over to third base. Because nobody's covering. Because nobody's covering. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So it's a little bit. I love the stuff that makes weird things happen in baseball. Yeah. Like the like the intentional walk. Make them throw the four pitches. Yeah. Because the one time out of a thousand that something weird happens, then that, you know, that makes this week in baseball. It's fun. Twib notes. You remember that show? Absolutely. Man, I wish we still had that. Okay, so the Arizona Fall League will begin on October 13th with all of these new rules in place. So if you're going to go out there and watch it or watch it on TV, just be aware. So if you see something funky going on, oh, yeah, that's because they you can't step off the rubber twice in a plate appearance. Or... I, yeah, I'm pretty stoked. Uh, for fantasy baseball, there's for fantasy league out there with the Padres. Um, I don't think there's nothing else going on. There'll be guys rehabbing. Mm-hmm. That's about it. Yeah. Look, I'm excited to go play, and then I want to hang out the ball field, on the ball field, see who's playing, see what's going on. Were you going to a tournament out there? No, fantasy, fantasy. Oh, league. that's right. You're doing fantasy camp. Fantasy camp. Sorry, that's, with the Padres. That's next spring, though, right? No, it is January 8th through the 16th. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Nice. You'll have to give us the rundown after you come back. I will have to give you the rundown. I might even bring a microphone out there. Yeah. <laughs> that's a jerky move. No, I won't be doing that. <laughs> I'll be in the clubhouse. Say, hey, I got a podcast. <laughs> right. I mean, I was going to text him anyways, you know, whoever's there to tell me not to do it. <laughs> All right, let's move on to get some uh, the Padres rookie DSL. Padres, 34 and 19? Yeah. Holy cow. The Bring only it, kids. The only team in the organization with a winning record right now. Yes. Including the 500 major league team. Because you can't walk your way off the island. That's right. So Thursday, Padres, uh, Padres 6, Orioles 4, right-handed pitcher Adrian Luna, 2-0, with a 1.69 ERA, struck out two over four and two-thirds shutout innings in relief in relief in the win. Shortstop Victor Acosta, 938 OPS, went one for three with two walks, a run scored, and a steal. Look out for that kid, Victor Acosta. He's going to be a beast. Oh, yeah. Uh, first base, Jake Perez, 80, uh, 896 OPS, went two for four with RBI and a run scored. In another game, the Blue Jays 12, Padres 5. Shortstop Jose Sanabria with a 604 OPS went 3 for 3 with an RBI, and first baseman Adrian Perez with a 960 OPS drove in two runs on two hits, including a double. Nice. Um, here's another hot prospect. Center fielder Samuel Zavala with an 873 OPS went 2 for 5 with two runs scored. Right handed pitcher Henry Baez 0 for 2 with a 3.28 ERA allowed five runs, one earned in three innings in the start to take the loss. Ah, just hearing Henry Baez, I'm like, oh, Michelle. I think of Henry Henry. All right. Yeah. I was thinking of Michelle Baez. Uh huh. Okay, so moving on to El Paso, um, MLB is going to experiment with a pre-tacked baseball during the AAA final stretch. This was an article by Kyle Glazer in Baseball America. Major League Baseball is experimenting with the use of a different pre-tacked baseball in select AAA games during the final days of the minor league season. MLB Executive Vice President of Baseball Operations Morgan Sword, which is a great name, uh, told Baseball America on Thursday a handful of AAA teams will use the new baseball at some point during the final 10 games of the season, known as the final stretch. Quote, on a very limited basis, we are getting into games a couple of prototype baseballs that have a different substance applied to them for grip purposes. It's not all the way across AAA. We just don't have enough of them. We're just trying to find, we're just finding a couple of teams willing to help us out and get them into games. Trying to get some action for these things before the end of the year. 
Many of the teams involved will use the prototype baseball for only one of their final 10 games, Sword said. The decision to experiment with a pre-tacked baseball comes on the heels of MLB's crackdown on the use of foreign substances by pitchers earlier this season. While acknowledging the foreign substances gave them an advantage by imparting extra spin on the ball, many pitchers also said they needed the substance to maintain their grip on the ball. Baseballs in Japan are pre-tacked with a different substance, and pitchers who participated in the Tokyo Olympics this year reported being able to get a better grip on the ball and frequently said they preferred the ball to what was used in MLB. That was it. That was it. I saw that on Twitter somewhere. Yahoo Sports reported in August that MLB had begun disseminating prototypes of pre-tacked baseballs to solicit player feedback. So, but I, what I find it weird is that they're only going to get a few of these balls into rotation and only in a couple of games. So if I'm the pitcher and this is my livelihood, and this is the end of the season, I'm trying to make a good final impression. Right. And then you and it's give the me, final home stretch. And then so you give me winning. something different, then I have to make an adjustment to it. I mean, I would, I would hope that it's not a, a big deal. They're used to the ball having a different level of tackiness to it. Uh, but the end game here is to normalize things so yeah. that the ball comes out of the box with a nice little tack to it, and it, it doesn't change by the humidity or the you know, whatever's going on with the, or how long the ball sat since they rubbed it up with the Lena Blackburn, Delaware river mud special concoction. Why not then do that for the Arizona fall league? If they're doing all these changes, you know, and all the experimenting with the, with the, with the rules and the bases in, in the Arizona fall league, why don't they do that for the Arizona fall league? It would make sense. I, all I can, right. <laughs> all I can figure there is that with AAA, you've got experienced baseball players that have been using you know, the, the minor league right. ball, maybe right. you've got some former major leaguers that'll be able to give you some real good Feedback. insight yeah. versus a bunch of 19 and 20 year olds that are still learning their way in the game. Okay. Hey, that's just thinking off the cuff. No, that's, that's probably smart. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, there's been one notable transaction on Wednesday. The Padres released right-handed pitcher Parker Markle. The 30 year old Markle spent all season with El Paso after signing as a minor league free agent in the off season. In 41 appearances for the Chihuahuas, Markle posted a 3-2 record and a 4.42 ERA with 91 strikeouts against 45 walks in 57 innings. So I'm I'm surprised that we're seeing as many releases as we are on the minor league side right now. I'd yeah. figure that they'd wait till the end of the season and then, okay, we're just not going to renew your contract for next year. Um, but maybe this gives him a, 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 the last couple weeks of the season to go try to find a chance somewhere else. Exactly. And maybe it's... Um... God, maybe it's just because we need to have all. Like, there's only so many guys in the organization, so you need to cut from the top and then bring everyone up. I suppose. Kind of, kind of getting people where they're supposed to be. You know, it's kind of like the mid-season uh, promotions where they kind of okay. This is where you're going to be next year. Meanwhile, the Padres are picking up Ross Detweiler and Vince Velasquez and oh Jake Arrieta and whoever else they can off the uh, off the waiver wire. I saw that the 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 Mariners just released somebody now that Matt Brash is coming up for the Mariners. Uh. Um, they released, who was it? It was a former former Padre pitcher from way back in the day. And I saw that name and I went, you know what? Wouldn't surprise me if Preller picked up another guy because they just, they need the arms just to get to the finish line. Was right it now. Wade LeBlanc? No, no. Uh, now, now you're going to make me look it up. <laughs> okay, but meanwhile, while you look it up, Friday, Pedro Avila made his first AAA start two to nine months after his Major League debut. The righty tossed five scoreless innings, giving up only one hit and striking out five against a single walk. He threw 64 pitches, 45 for strikes. You got it? Got it. Got it. Matt Andres is the guy who was released. Matt Andres. Yeah, former former Padres staffer. In the Matt Andres time, I realized I don't know who the hell that guy is. 
Okay. Moving. It's been a while. Yeah. He spent June, okay, Pedro Vila, he spent June working in relief for El Paso before moving back down to prepare to re-enter the starting rotation last month. He was up and down for the missions, but struck out 16 against two walks and 12 innings over his last three starts. The performance was enough to get him back at AAA for the finish the, to finish the season. At the end of 24, made two starts with San Diego in April 2019, but hurt his elbow in his first appearance after a demotion to double-A. After rehabbing much of the summer, his elbow blew out in his first start back in Amarillo, and he had Tommy John surgery. After opening the season in San Antonio's bullpen, he spent June working in relief for El Paso before moving back down to prepare to re-enter the starting rotation last month. He was up and down for the missions, but struck out 16 against two walks in 12 innings over his last three starts. The bu- I just read that again. Sorry about that. He's got a very good changeup, which kind of moves like a slider and a good curve, said his manager, Eric Young. He served as a Padres minor league pitching coordinator before this year. When he was an A-ball, he was very good at pitching backwards, dropping that curve or slider in for fastball counts, and he's really good at keeping hitters off balance. He's been battling back from injuries. Battling. Right? Grinding it out. And if you can prove that he can do the same thing at this level, he shouldn't have any problems replicating that success. Good for him. Very good. Well, I decided to jump into the Wayback Machine. Um, in January 2014, the Padres traded Logan Forsyth, Brad Boxberger, Matt Andres, Matt uh, Lawless, and Max Tissenbaum to the Tampa Bay Rays for Alex Torres and Jesse Hahn. Alex Torres. So our pitcher, uh, the rec game, <laughs> I couldn't remember Alex Torres' name, went out to pitch with his helmet on. Okay. And he's like, why couldn't I'm like, dude, do you have your helmet on? He's like, oh, why can't I do that? I'm like, because you'd be, and I couldn't remember Alex Torres' name. If you remember, when that rash of guys getting shotgunned, you know, with balls hitting back in their head, I think Chris Young got hit there a little before that. Um, Chris Alex, Young took it square to the face right. off of Albert Pujols. Right. Um, Alex Torres was the guy who wore that helmet with the, the prototype helmet with all the like bumpers on it. So yeah. he had this giant. And he wore it several games. Right. And that was right after there was a pitcher on the Rays that got hit in the side of the head right. from a line drive. And it was, I mean, it's a life threatening kind of injury. Absolutely. And it's scary. So it makes sense to me why somebody might want to wear protective gear, but it's got, they got to look cool too. I so, guess. So that's what reminded me of that guy. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. Well, I mean, John Olrude wore a helmet at first base his whole career. Yeah. Nobody made fun of him. Ricky except Henderson's Ricky Henderson. Teammate. Oh, this is other, <laughs> Ricky Henderson's teammate, right? Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, that was John Olrude. Yeah, back when he played for the Mets, he played with this guy and wore a helmet at first base. So reliever Jose Cazada struck out one in a scoreless eighth inning and has pitched four scoreless innings, uh, four scoreless outings since returning from double A. First baseman Taylor Callaway hit a 3-1 double in the second inning. Is now 3-for-6 with 10 RBIs with the bases loaded this season. He's got to get a test. He's got to get a taste. He's got to be in or he's got to get a shot. One way or another. Right. Yeah. I mean, he might be. I, I don't know if he's Rule 5 eligible this year, but I could see a team taking a look at somebody like him. He's 27. He I wouldn't be surprised if he was. Right. If he wasn't. Sorry. All right, so finally on Saturday, Adrian Martinez is settling in at AAA El Paso. Remember, it wasn't too far too long ago that it he, was in, he made the promotion. He was the pitcher of the month in Double A, yeah. and then they called him up and he got rocked the first couple of games. Everybody went, "Well, I guess there goes our hope for the next great surprise minor league pitcher." But here's the thing: is is rare to do guys go up a level and just push and right. just shove. Right. There's a, and he's young. I'm pretty sure he's young. You know, he's pretty young. He's 24. 24. Yeah. 
So there's there's an adjustment, and yeah. he's finally making that adjustment. Yeah. So the 24-year-old right-hander struck out a career-high 10 batters over six strong innings in the Chihuahua's 3-2 win over visiting Sugar Land on Saturday night. Martinez, with a 5.49 ERA, walked two and allowed a run on four hits and a walk. The right-hander from Calexico labored through a 25-pitch first inning, yeah. giving up a pair of walks and a single, but somehow managed to wiggle out of the inning, only giving up one run. After that, he had no more struggles. Martinez threw 93 pitches over six over six innings. He had his best outing since being promoted from Double-A San Antonio as he scattered three hits, all singles, and didn't issue another walk as he cruised through the next five innings on 68 pitches. Uh, tonight, he threw a strike within the first two pitches to 17 of the next 18 batters he faced, and on the one he didn't, he came back to get the strikeout. Quote, each level is a little different, and the strike zone in Double-A is a little more liberal than it is here, El Paso manager Eric Youngie said before Friday's game, explaining Martinez's initial struggles after his promotion. Here it is going to be very trackman-based, so the umpires are probably being evaluated on that as well. So that's an interesting point. Yeah. The, the higher the level, the more scrutiny the umpires get about how accurate their strike zones are. Yeah. Because it's it's AAA for the players, but it's also AAA for the umpires. What they're trying to get up to, to the big... And some of those guys do rotate in and out. Right. Go to vacations or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure a lot of that's based on how they're graded yeah. for the accuracy of their calls, both in the field, but really at the plate. Yeah, interesting. You know, and it's funny because, like, even you, so you wheel that all the way back to the complex. God, it must be just shy of. Well, those guys are brand new. Yeah. In the complex. Are, um, I well, they're it. brand new in the complex, but they've been umpiring for a decade or two in college and high level right. high school baseball and all of this. Yeah, it's not like you can just walk in off the street, like, hey, I want to be an umpire. And, right. okay, no, and you go to the gear, go get it done. And you go to the camp and class, but still, that, you know, it must be pretty wide. For sure. Uh, so, quote, you have to get the ball over the white portion of the plate to get calls. So that was a bit of a learning curve early on with his command. His control has always been fine. He can throw strikes, but the level of command needed to be raised, and he has met that expectation. Through his first eight AAA starts, Martinez has struck out 36 batters against 16 walks while allowing opponents a 292 batting average. So the control versus command thing. thats Control is just being able to throw strikes and yeah. not throw balls. Command is being able to locate in the quadrant of the zone, avoiding the, the heart of the plate, that kind of thing. With all your pitches. Right. But particularly with the fastball. Mm-hmm. So there's another guy, so there's another guy that's probably going to get invited to Major League Camp. If he has a good spring, maybe even get some uh, a cup of coffee. It probably, you know, it takes a lot of pitches to get through the season. So another guy to look forward to, maybe making them pick over last next year. For sure. Yeah, and in 2019, he started out in, I think he started in Fort Wayne and then made it up to Lake Elsinore at the very tail end of the season. Yes. So seeing him make the leap up to AAA this year and finally start to look like a, a promising prospect. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. And at a pretty young age, at 24, so he should be on the prospect list. Some of the prospect lists coming up um, next season. Oh, for sure. We'll have lots of that to talk about this offseason. God, we have lots to talk about this offseason. So, that's it. That's it for this week. That's not bad. Live and let live. Live and let live die. Live and let die. Live and let die. Live and let those Dodgers die. God, okay. And the Giants, too. Oh, man. It's going to be rough watching the postseason with those teams and everybody talking them up about how great and how amazing they are. Meanwhile, yeah. we're just sitting in the corner with our dunce cap on talking about Jeez. what could have been. Right. But meanwhile, we'll be watching the reckoning. Remember, remember that game, that one game. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. <laughs> that one game, that one game, <laughs> that time that well, Camarena hit his grand slam off a of Scherzer. <laughs> right. And it's going to be interesting to see, you know, it's going to be interesting to see who the pitching coach is going to be. Is Damien Easley, are, is, are they going to redo the whole 
And here's another thing. If they do change uh, managers, is that manager going to be able to pick his own squad? Mm-hmm. I certainly hope that if it's a if if they do replace Chase Tingler and it is a seasoned manager, A, that he can not only just mesh with the young guys and, and the new, uh, you know, let the kids play era of baseball, but also bring in his own squad, the guys that he can trust, the guys that he knows can coach. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that the Padres don't have that, but... All the guys on the coaching staff are all guys that AJ Preller picked. So Jay right. Tingler came in and didn't get anyone. True, true. And you can, you can. I guess Tingler can make excuses with that. But in the in the end, when a team has this kind of a collapse, there's no way the manager sticks around. Yeah. Okay. So a candidate that I. So what you're saying right now, you've got Bobby Dickerson, Wayne Kirby, and Ryan Flaherty in the dugout as three of the members of the coaching right. staff. So what if they brought in somebody like Buck Showalter? So well, then we just called the San Diego Orioles. Yeah. Those three guys. Could, <laughs> hey, let's go get Adam Jones, bring him in. Right. Well, so then, <laughs> but, but then once again, then you have, you know, if, and I love Buck Showalter. I don't know if those, another lizard, that's a lizard alert. Um, I don't know if, if you know, do, do they listen to a guy like that? Do they listen to an old school guy like that? Well, they have. So that was another thing in this Rates and Barrels podcast. When they were talking about the clubhouse dynamics and the manager and all this, um, like the times that we've seen somebody come back to the dugout and like Tommy Pham came back and he was chirping to Bobby Dickerson. And it, there's been a few instances like that. And even going back to the Mexico series with Andy Green and Eric Hosmer and him chirping it at the right. manager. You don't see that happen with guys like Bruce Bochy, uh, Tony La Russa, I, Buck Showalter. But furthermore, what they were saying was that you don't you don't treat the manager like that. And you don't treat any of the coaching staff like that right. because they're all equals with the manager. So there's right. no like, well, I can't talk to him that way, but I can talk to this guy like that. It, it, that's not how it works when those guys are running the dugout. Well, and I think and, – and- Players will chirp at the older managers, but I think you know with that experience, they know how to like take them aside. They know how to to handle that that ego that mm-hmm. that you know shit that happens like that, right? And well, they do it respectful, and they still have those the players buy in. Mm-hmm. Now it doesn't have to be a crusty old guy for that to to be the case, okay? Because like Ron right. Washington and and these guys, they're all in their sixties. I think some of these guys that have been mentioned are in their seventies. Yeah. But you could bring in somebody like Phil Nevin or Raul Ibanez or even uh, what's his name Hensley Mullins from the the Giants bench coach. Yeah, you know, there are a bunch of candidates out there that maybe aren't the 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 old crusty guy, but still commands the respect and they've got the experience. They've been a bench coach, assistant coach. You know, yeah, they've, they've been, been ball players and they've been on a squad, right? On a coaching squad, right? And they're tall enough to be able to actually stand over a couple of the umpires in the league, right? <laughs> it's been a while since we've had a manager who could do that. And then when you know if they bring in Nevin, you know, like you know, Tatis hits a bomb out there, and he can go like, yeah, I can do that. You couldn't. <laughs> That's why you're coaching. Have him step into the box during batting practice. Right. Let me show you kids how it's done. Look, they moved it in ten feet for you. <laughs> Anyways, you can find me on Twitter at SD Donovan. I am at Zippy underscore TMS. Yeah, let's go Padres. Right, go Padres. <laughs> <laughs> but if this ever-changing world in which we live in makes you give in a cry, so live and let die.